to die That he might give Eternal life That I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment. But first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Now, I can't make you do anything, and you know that. I know that. Because if I was God, I would. But I'm not God, so I can't. All I can do is tell you things. I have no power over you, no control over you. I'm not a dictator. I'm not God. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm just a man. Just a man. Just like you. But something happened to me when I was 18 years old. I started studying the Bible. And the Word of God got into me. And I began to think about how I began to think about this and that. What I wanted to do with my life. What I wanted to accomplish. Where I wanted to go. It it began to really play tricks in my mind. And I battled back and forth. The will of man versus the Word of God. And I'll tell you, I fought some battles. But I'm so glad that I went ahead and just did what the Word of God said do. And now 50 years later, as I look back, I can see how God has blessed. And it's not because somebody's better than somebody else. It's because there's somewhere along the line that the Holy Spirit works in your life. And you begin to grow a little bit. And you learn a little bit more. And you grow some more. And you want to do something. You want to accomplish something. When you, you don't want to waste your life. You know that everything in this world is going to pass away. It's not going to last. So I try to build a mansion here. It's going to pass. But what I accomplish for the Lord, that's what's important. That's what's important for you and it should be. I, and I want you to see this. Look there in the book of Ephesians in chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Look in verse 10. And verse 10 says, For we are His workmanship. He's the one that saved you, and now he wants to continue working on you. You see, he gave you eternal life. He's already saved you from hell. Now you're going to heaven, and he's the one that's doing the work. And he makes a statement. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. You see, this is what God wants in your life. Now, you may not perform. You're still saved from the penalty of sin. But you will not have the power that you need to be saved from the power of sin in your life. And that's where a lot of Christians have ruined their life. They've ruined their testimony because they will not do what God wants them to do. And because of that, there's a price to pay. But look at the last part of it. He says, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in it. We should. Should. Not that you have to or that you will. Is it possible for a lost man to defy the will of God? Yes. God is not willing that any should perish. That means nobody's going to perish. No, they still will. Why? Because they can defy the will of God. 
but there's a price for doing so. Can a Christian defy the will of God for his life? Yes. God wants us to perform these good works. That's why he left us here. But you can say, no, I ain't going to do it. Well, does that mean God's not going to keep his word and save you? No, because he's, see, his promise was not based upon you. His word based upon his word. He promised, and he'll never cast you out. He'll never lose you for no reason. We go to heaven on what he promised, not what we promise. But as a child of God, God said, if I would serve him here, he said he would bless my life. Well, after 50 years, I should be able to look over my life and say, well, did he keep his word? Yes, he did. He's done just like he said he would do. And I'm looking forward to the day when I get to heaven. Because I believe I'm going to see thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people that have lived to Christ over the years. But you see, that's because somewhere along the line, you have to dedicate your life to him and say, I'm going to serve the Lord. So God wants to save us from the, the power of sin in our lives. Now, look at letter C. Talk about the future tense, the future tense. I will be saved from the very presence of sin when I die or when Christ returns for me. Turn in your Bible to the book of Romans in chapter 13. I want you to see this verse. Romans in chapter 13. I want you to look there in verse 11. Verse 11 says, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. So we believed is past tense. So uh, salvation is near now. In other words, is this the result of I've finally been good and I've been having myself and now God's going to take me on home and I finally earned the right to go to heaven? No, no, that's not what he's saying. See, I have been saved when I believed on Christ. God saved me and gave me the free gift of eternal life. I became his child. Now, I can say this. It's been 50 years ago. So now I am here, 50 years down the line. But I can also say that now my salvation is nearer than when I believed. The salvation of what? When I got saved? No, 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 no. See, I'm going to be saved one day from the very presence of sin. I won't be here. God's going to take me out. God's going to save me out of this world. Going to take me clean out of it. So I'm looking forward to my deliverance from this world and from the sin in the world. You see, I believed on him, and that saved me from the penalty of sin. I am now being saved from the power of sin, and the day will come when we'll be saved from the very presence of sin. We won't be in its presence anymore. And God says, heaven, there is no unrighteousness there. That's why not even a lie. No sin can enter heaven, because heaven is a perfect place. So I have been saved, saved, saved. It ain't all over yet, but it's as good as done. Because when that takes place, I'm out of here. And I will not have this old body with this old sinful nature. I won't have to worry anymore about having victory over the, the flesh and so forth. The battle is over. All the war is over. I don't know about you, but you can get mighty tired and weary in this old life. You can get weary in well-doing. Doing right, but you get weary. God says, don't become weary in well-doing, for you shall re you're going to reap. It's just down the road. Just, just don't worry about it. Just be patient. We'll reap in this life what we sow. So now, the next thing to understand, this is about salvation. 
You got that clear. There's two things about the Christian that he needs to always remember. One is salvation. I have been saved, I am being saved, and I will be saved. That's how simple that is. That's your whole life. Now, the next part is on service. On this thing about service, to understand these three little simple things. Look there at number one. A letter A, chastening. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 7. I want you to look at it real quick. Hebrews and chapter 12. After you've trusted Christ as your Savior, yes, you're God's child. You say, well, what if I don't serve the Lord? Okay. God will not make you. Now, he'll make you wish you had of, but he won't make you serve him. But look what he says in verse 5, chapter 12 and verse 5. These are very important verses to understand. So in verse 5, he says, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Did you know that your heavenly Father, who gave you birth, you're his child, born into his family. And in this life, now remember, you've already been saved from the penalty of sin. You ain't going to hell. That never, that's, an, that's an issue you don't ever have to worry about again. But in my life, to understand that if I do not serve God the way God wants me to serve him, my heavenly Father says, I can choose to rebel, but he will choose the form of punishment. Isn't that fair? You can choose to sin, and he can choose how to punish it. Ooh. And you don't know exactly when or how he's going to do that. That's the mysteries. God doesn't tell us everything. And how God disciplines one person doesn't mean he's going to do another one the same way. Well, I saw them do it and get away with it. And then every time I do something, I never get away with it. And that's the way it's been with my life. Kids can do all kind of mess up in school. But, man, let me try it. One time, I get nailed. I always get caught. I often wonder how come my mama, and you know, you say this, she had an eye in the back of her head. She had eyes in the back of her head. Well, that she, just, you, that she just knows her kids, what it boils down to. But God is always watching, and he wants to bless us. But sometimes he has to chasten us because we refuse to do what God wants us to do. And so it says our heavenly Father is going to chasten you. He's going to whoop you. That's what it means. He's going to spank you just like you would your child. Like we used to do when we weren't afraid of the government. That's why we don't have that discipline anymore. Because we're afraid of the government going to take away our children. You ought to take your child, go to the social service and say, here's my child. Now, we're going to have a decision. Either you raise him or I'm going to raise him. You want to raise him? You take him. Go ahead. If I can't raise my child, then I don't need my child. I can't help my child. You can't raise a child correctly unless you have the right to, to discipline to correct a child. The day we done got so afraid we can't do anything with them. And then we wind up raising a bunch of these little monsters. And then they're the one that controls the home. And then they control the school. Now, if you don't like what I'm saying, just be thankful for what I'm holding back. <laughs> Look in verse 7. He said, if ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? So God is going to chasten you. It doesn't mean he's going to kill you. Now, he could take you home. He can allow you to be taken home. He says some are sick and so forth, and many are dead because of it. And many are just plain weak Christians. And God sometimes will just take and put you on the shelf and not use you. But you don't want to be put on a shelf. You want God to use you. Wouldn't you rather have the blessings of God? I'd want the blessings of God in my life. 
And this is what God's talking about. Now, I want you to look at this because you need to see this first. Look in 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy and chapter 2. Just turn to your left a couple pages there. And look in verse 21. This is to the Christian, to the believer. You say, well, what if I, uh, I'm not sure I'm saved anymore, and uh, you have questions and doubts, and uh, remember this. If you have, at a time in your life, trusted Christ as your Savior, and you depend upon Him to take you to heaven when you die, then God says you're going to heaven dependent upon Him keeping His word. He promised. And if you question and you doubt, it does not cause God to question and God to doubt. And God says this. Look there in verse 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. And you ought to underline this part of the verse. The Lord knoweth them that are his. And then he makes this statement. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ turn from sin, depart from iniquity. That's the will of God for his children. But not all of God's children do what God says to do. And God says that there's vessels that he uses. Vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. Vessels that show God's grace and mercy and vessels that show God's anger and his wrath. See there in verse 20. In a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth. Some to honor, some to dishonor. Now he's relating it to you and I. In verse 21. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto what? Honor. But see, that's something that you do. You have to purge out of your life those things that would cause you to be a bad vessel. See, God's looking for a clean vessel that he can use for his honor, for his glory. Somebody that will say, Lord, here am I, use me. But it means you've got to discipline your life. We live in a time and age where nobody wants to discipline anything. We've got insurance on everything, and so it doesn't matter how I live, what I do, drive recklessly, it doesn't matter, i got insurance. We didn't have all of that there. Everybody was more careful because you were responsible. And there was a price you had to pay. Today, it doesn't matter about things like that. You know what I've noticed? Let me just mention this to you. It's a little sidetrack, but over in India, I mean, there's teeming millions of people. And you know, in most of the towns in the cities, uh, there's no red lights and stop signs. There's a few here and there, but most of them not. And I mean, there's people going all over the place, and they even drive on the wrong side of the road. The car's got the, uh, the steering wheel on the wrong side of the inside the car. And, I'm, and, and the first two days I'm there, I am in Panicville. Because I can see a car coming at me, and he's on the wrong side of the road. And I'm on the passenger side, and I thought, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. And they just miss you. You could just about pick each other's pockets and not, you know. <laughs> close. And then there was people, these little uh, rickshaw things, and uh, they, they drive little three-wheeler deals. And they pick up, and, and there's thousands of them all over the place. And everybody over there seemed like everybody runs around on a motorcycle. And I got a picture of a woman going down the street. She's sitting on the back side saddle of her husband who's riding the, the motorcycle. And she's got a baby in her arm. There's no seat belts, and she's going about 40 miles an hour. They're all over the place like this. And there's people walking. And when they all come to a, an intersection, there's no stop signs. There's, there, there's no red lights. Everybody just works their way through it. It's just like if after, we, after church today, and we say we want everybody to go to the fellowship hall, do we have to put red lights and stop signs here? But everybody can get up and walk around and make a lot of And you just walk through it. They do that with their vehicles, with their cars. It just blew my mind. I thought, 
That's why we have all these traffic jams here in town. This is one of the worst places I've ever seen. It's because they got red lights and stop signs. Do away without those things and it's first come, first served. And nobody hitting each other. <laughs> it was incredible. I thought, man, that would eliminate a lot of problems here in America. But they don't have the expressways over there. And they're not going 75 and 80 miles an hour either. But here, you know, there's areas of responsibility that we have as God's children. And we need to discipline ourselves. And majority of God's people don't like to be disciplined. We don't want anybody telling us what we can and cannot do. And you know what else I saw while all that was going on over there? And if you're on a motorcycle and they pull in front of you, this one pulls in front of that one, and you pull in front of somebody else, and the cars, and it seemed like everybody comes from all different angles. I never saw anybody get mad. I didn't see anybody bless out anybody. But here in America, I can drive down the street, and if one person pulls in front of me, I'm ready to take this thing and turn it into a tank <laughs> and make them pay. Because you realize I could have been another 15 feet further down the road. And I think, look, look what you did. You, 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 you held me up from getting someplace important. And we get mad at each other. We have road rage. I didn't see the first person over here to get angry with anybody. It's a different world altogether. But over here, we, we, we don't do that. It's not that we have a bad case of me first-itis. We have a bad case of me-only-itis. I have no idea how I get sidetracked on these, these things. Well, I'm right here in 2 Timothy, but I did want you to see that. See that in verse 21? If a man therefore purge himself, he shall be a vessel unto honor. And then in verse 22, he talks about what you need to flee. And in verse 23, things that you need to avoid. And then he talks about next being a, you're a servant. You're a servant. Look what he says in chapter 2 there. And look down in verse uh, 3. Thou therefore, in verse 3, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. You and I, we can become so entangled with the affairs of this life that we don't have any time to do what God wants us to do. And we make choices that affect our whole lives. There's one thing that I wanted my kids to know and my grandkids. Now, I may not convince them total of everything, but I want them to know that they have a dad or a granddad that wants to practice what he preaches, that puts the Lord first. I have tried to, since I trusted Christ as my Savior, the first 18 years don't count. <laughs> I was a bad boy. I really messed up. But since that day, when I trusted Christ as my Savior, and I fell in love with the Lord, and the Lord became more real to me than the clothes that I've got on my back, more real to me than my wife and my kids. More real to me than you. I can't make that happen to everybody. And I don't know why it doesn't happen to everybody. I haven't figured it out yet. But I just know this. God's been good to me. And I can't see me doing anything other than just serving Him with all my heart. I wish I could get everybody just to love the Lord. And everything else will fall into place. You see, when you don't love the Lord right, you think He doesn't love you. And love has a, is a very powerful, motivating thing. See, the last thing I have done here is, is the motive. There's two motives, love and fear. Love is so powerful. But I know that if I don't serve the Lord because I love Him, I know I'm going to fear Him. Because I know He'll chase and discipline me and maybe take me home before my time. 
Oh, yeah, I'm ready to go to be with the Lord, but I want to go when he's ready. Not because he had to take me, because of my bad testimony. Serve the Lord while you can. There's a uh, guy that we had over there, and he was driving us around. And I was in holy fear. I, I really was. After a while, I got to where I could accept it and relax a little bit. I felt like, I guess they ain't going to hit nobody. And then I'm not going to get smashed. And everybody else seemed to relax and enjoy it. I said, yes, I will too. So I'm sitting here in the front seat, and the driver's over here. Now, that's already backward to me. And I asked him, I says, uh, can I ask you a question? He just looked at me. Yeah. Real talkative guy. I guess he had to really concentrate on driving. Because <laughs> there's people walking all over the place, too. And I says, um, are, you, are you Christian, Muslim, Hindu? And uh, he says, I'm Hindu. Okay. I thought we'd strike up a conversation, but it was just one-sided so far. And after a while, I asked him again. I says, uh, I says are you uh, going to heaven when you die? He says, I don't know. I don't care. Hmm. I says, um, don't you think about the future? He says, no. He's answered every question the wrong way so far. <laughs> he said, I don't think about it. And then he kind of let me have a, a few little line sentences. and He says, I only think about now, today. Don't think about tomorrow. Don't care about tomorrow. Just today. He says, I said, well, what about heaven? And so I guess, don't care. Now, a Hindu can believe in many gods. And I might come back as that old cow over there or that dog over there in that yard or somebody else or whatever. And that depends on how good I am here. But there was such negligence in this thinking. Didn't know, couldn't prove, couldn't solve anything. And so I realized I'm not going to get too far here. I says, when we get to the meeting on Thursday night, I said, I want you to listen to what I say. Because he wouldn't come into the meeting. He stood outside and he listened through the window. And so that's the Thursday night that we had, I don't know, five, six hundred that said they trust Christ as Savior. And everybody got into the van and we got ready to leave and he was still standing at the door. I says, did you listen to me tonight? He says, I listened to you. I said, you really listen? He said, I listened. Okay. I'll let it go. At least he listened. We had the graduation. I've been preaching two hours every day until the graduation. And that was on a Saturday. And I says, I want you to listen to what I have to say today. He says, I'll listen. So he stood outside and he listened to the windows. Because they didn't have glass on the windows, just some bars, you know. So he listened to what I had to say. When it was all over with and we got ready to get in the car. And I knew I've only got 24 hours before. That's the last time I ever see him. And I got ready to get in the car and I asked him. I said, did you listen to me tonight? Today? And he said, yes, I did. I said, did it make sense? Did you understand? He says, I understand. I says, where are you going to go when you die? He says, I'm going to heaven. I had to turn away because I got teary-eyed. Didn't say much, just enough. Now, a man doesn't know, and then a man says, I know. And uh, I talked to him a little bit about serving the Lord, telling his wife and his two kids. I saw him one more day, and 
I said, I want you to listen to me again. And that was on that Sunday. We left that night. And it was so neat. I forgot about the five or six hundred. That one became so important to me. See, a lot of times we think about, if, if I can just reach the masses. Yeah, but sometimes you need to focus on just one person. Isn't there just one person that your heart burns for? One person. Maybe it's an aunt or an uncle or a relative of some kind or an in-law, an outlaw. I don't care who they are. Somebody you work with. And it burns inside of you. I, I wonder if they know Christ as their Savior. Maybe you can't do it all at one time, but you, a few words here and a few words there and a few words down the road. And you start working because you, you, you care about people. And you want them to know Christ as their Savior. But anyway, if you're here and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, this is what I told them. That you tell me if it was clear or not. This is you and me. You see, we, we're all born into this world and we're all sinners. Because we're sinners, we commit sin. The wall represents sin. We all have sin on us. Now God says that He loves us, but He hates our sin. I realized while I was over in India, I needed to get me a new wallet. But I got me some bigger sin. I want to make sure y'all see the sin. Can y'all see the sin? Yeah. I, I left mine at home. This is y'all's. But we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Short of God's perfection. And to pay for sin is eternal separation from God in a place called hell. But God says that he loves us and he wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, we have to be perfect as righteous as God. And none of us are perfect. We've all done things wrong. Nobody's any better than anybody else. Because of sin, we can't get in, and that's the same for everybody. So it doesn't matter what religion you are, it's not important. Is it have you trusted Christ as your Savior? You see, God says you can't earn eternal life. You can't work your way to heaven by your good deeds. Church can't get you to heaven. No church can. No preacher, no priest. Nobody can get you to heaven. You can't even get yourself there. Your good works don't even count. We've come short. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us, hates our sin because it separates us from him. So Christ took the sin, paid for it on the cross, and came back from the dead. And God said that if we would believe he did it for us, if we would trust him as our Savior, he would put this payment to our account, and we get to go to heaven on what Christ did for us. He that believeth hath everlasting life. What have you got to do to go to heaven? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved from the penalty of sin. Would you believe what Christ says? He promised all you've got to do is believe it. If you'll just believe it, he'll never cast you out and never lose you. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you trust him? Would you depend upon him to take you to heaven when you die? He said if you would trust him, he would save you. He means what he says. He won't lie to you. So in the quietness of this moment, if you're here this morning and you say, I've never trusted Christ as my Savior, but I want to know that I'm going to heaven and preach our life for you, pray for me. I'm not going to have you stand up or come forward. I'm going to ask you in just a moment to raise your hand, but raising your hand doesn't save you. It just lets me know that what I said made sense to you. And you're saying, Preacher, I, I will trust Christ as my Savior. I want to know that I'm going to heaven, and I'd like for you to pray for me in closing. Would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Anyone at all? Say, yes, pray for me. Anyone at all before we close? Say, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior this morning. 
I want to know that I'm going to heaven when I die. Our Father, we do thank you so much for all that you've done for us, for the free gift of eternal life. And Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to go and represent this church and to present the gospel and to have so much fruit, fruit that abounds to their account. We thank you for this time together and ask your blessings upon each person here. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. How permanent is your salvation? Can you lose it? Are you 100% sure that you'll go to heaven? To help you in answering that question, Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Jesus is coming, so keep looking up. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed. Caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.